Welcome to Kuden, the radio show and podcast for self-defense and martial arts news, interviews, techniques, and history. Hosted by Sheehan Jeffrey Miller and Shidoshi Eric White. Sheehan Miller is the 13th degree black belt and master instructor of Warrior Concepts International in Sunbury, Pennsylvania. Shidoshi Miller's martial arts career spans over 30 years and has taken him around the world to train with some of the world's best martial arts masters. Shidoshi Eric White has been a student of Sheehan Miller's for over a decade. Together, they will answer your questions, discuss techniques, history, and current issues important to you, the self-defense-minded citizen and the practicing martial artist. Submit your questions by email to warriorc at warrior-concepts-online.com. Okay, happy Friday. Welcome to another episode of Kuden. And uh, uh, Shidoshi Miller here. And uh, unfortunately, Mr. White, Sensei White, Shidoshi White, whatever we want to call him today, right, uh, got called away last minute. He actually is an operations director of a radio station on the West Coast. I'm on the East Coast, right? So uh, one of his guys called off, and they had some kind of a live uh, on-site kind of thing they had to do. So um, he gets to do that instead of this. So uh, anyway, uh, so uh, I'm going to steer this ship up by myself today. Episode 32, we're just cranking right along, and uh, we're going to jump in. I've got uh, at least one question from uh, someone who's a, a subscriber or the uh, they're on the Kuden page, and uh, in his absence, Mr. White gave me a topic to uh, to start off with. So I'm going to do that, right? So, uh, Eric, this one's for you. Actually, this actually came from a uh, a question that had popped up on the Bujinkan Society Facebook page that I recently inherited. And um, uh, basically what it revolves around is uh, someone asking – for advice or help on the differences between uh, different aspects or uh, uh, different names that they've heard wrapped around the Sanshin no Kata. Right? So, uh, if you're typically, uh, if you're uh, a listener and you're from a different martial art, uh, this is something within Bujinkan Nidzu uh, or Bujinkan Ninpo Taijutsu more, to the, more specifically uh, coming from the Gyoko school one of the nine schools uh, within the Bujinkan. So anyway, um, so the question was really around, you know, the difference between Sanshin and the Gogyo uh, no Kata and uh, Goshin, right? And, um, you know, a couple of folks had, had uh, tossed some things in there, and I thought I'd just kind of wait and see what, um, uh, what kind of things were being discussed. And uh, so uh, what typically happens I, and I, I get this confusion right as a matter of fact in my own training uh when i first started uh you know i was under uh stephen hayes and uh we didn't put a lot of emphasis on the traditional training the way he kind of had his program set up was uh it was heavy on the front end with practical street application using uh nimpo Taijutsu principles and then as you get closer to the black belt levels then we started focusing on the details and historically why this would be this way and, you know, all those kind of things, right? And uh, from the perspective, i got to tell you, from the perspective of somebody who grew up inner city, uh, on the street, I'm, well, I wasn't on the street, but I, I dealt with a lot of violence on the street, just back and forth to school and in, in the neighborhoods where my parents had us living and uh, then moving into the security field and becoming a police officer – uh, that was really, really attractive, okay? and nine out of ten people that had come to the uh, 
that the training way back then uh, was attracted to them as well because they had gone through the stylized martial art uh, path and, um, you know, had a real difficult time trying to relate that to uh, jabs and right crosses and stiletto stabs and, and those kind of things. And when I say stilettos, guys, I'm not talking about five-inch heels. I'm talking about the knife, okay? So anyway, um, so in all honesty, you know, they looked like some fairly simple movements, and you know, I, I think most of my peers uh, coming up through the ranks with me uh, would have agreed with this, that, you know, they, they seemed fairly cut and dry. It was a, you know, body movement exercise for balance and whatnot. And... Um, you know, but we wanted to move on to the to the stuff that was going to save our lives on the street. Uh, many of us were police officers, security, military, uh, that kind of thing, right? So, anyway, um, but uh, the more and more, uh, you know, I, I went to Japan and uh, went to different uh, taikais and different things. And I think that they was teaching reading more. Um, the more I kept seeing that he was referencing the sanshin in different forms. So I thought, hmm. You know, this keeps coming up a lot, so maybe it's something that I should pay a little bit more attention to. So uh, I did, right? And then, of course, I, you know, talked to different teachers. Uh, and in Japan, specifically, I, I networked with and, and developed very close relationships with a good half dozen of the uh, of the senior master Japanese teachers. And uh, while each one had, you know, their own reference points at the time, things that they thought were the most important uh, at that stage in their training, I, I came away with a, with a newfound appreciation for these things. And it took a little bit more digging and historical uh, references, not just with what they're called and, and, you know, how they should be trained in what order and all that, but even the definitions behind things, because we have to be careful, right? If, you know, uh, if we just take a word like Goshi, right? Uh, Goshin using one set of characters, right, uh, can mean, uh, like self-defense, right? Uh, for a lot of folks, if they, if they're not sure, they, they could just oversimplify it and look at it and go, well, uh, you know, go means five and sheen means hearts or hearts, uh, so five hearts, okay? Uh, what does that mean, right? Uh, but in reality, you know, you, you can't just look at something that's written out in English that way because uh, even even if you looked at it written in um, uh, Japanese kana, right, the uh, three different, well, four now, writing systems the Japanese use. There's uh, hiragana, which is their typical uh, shorthand script. It's very much like what we would call cursive writing, right? Uh, uh, so that's you know, for typical writing. And then there's uh, katagana, which is used for names and foreign words that have been imported into Japan and into the Japanese language. Uh, they use the Chinese kanji, right? Kanji characters. Uh, they're they're borrowed from China, uh, so that's going to be uh, you know threaded throughout writings if the writing isn't in the original Chinese style, which would be all kanji, right? And then the fourth one, which is fairly new, is romaji, right? Kind of like Roman letters, right? Romaji. Uh, is, you know, how, how we can identify it. So if you go to Japan and you're looking for Tokyo or Kitagoshigaya or uh, the, uh, the uh, train station or whatever, right, it's written out in English letters. It's still a Japanese word, but it's written out so that we can read it. We don't have to understand or be able to read hiragana, katagana, or kanji. 
but anyway, uh, you know, if somebody just goes by that writing, they can kind of toss things around. So that's one level of uh, one level of uh, uh, or one possibility for misunderstanding. Uh, another one can be in how the Japanese view or look at certain things, like the word shin, right? Shin uh, conventionally, if you go to a really tiny Japanese to English dictionary or something, one of these oversimplified dictionary pages or translation pages on the internet, uh, shin will be very often translated as heart, right? uh, using this kanji, right? Uh, the kanji for uh, shin kokoro, heart, right? Um, uh, as opposed to the one that's in bujin, right? That's shin as well, uh, but that's divinity or God or pointing to the divine, right? So, uh, but again, this is kind of a it's not a mistranslation, it's just an oversimplification because in the West, right, we have a, we have a word for and a definite uh, understanding that's very different, right, between what we would call heart and mind. To us, mind is, you know, intellectual, intellectual capacity, uh, theoretical thinking, you know, that kind of thing, right? It has to do with the brain and mind. We know what that means, right? Uh, but heart, right, for us tends to mean emotion, compassion, you know, have a heart, that kind of thing, right, uh, has to do with more of the softer aspects of life, things that can't be pinned down as a, as a uh, uh, psychological uh, aspect, characteristic, or process, right. But in Japanese language, right, shin, heart, uh, is, can be both the connection between both, right? So uh, it could mean the core of something, the essential nature of something. Uh, but very often, shin uh, and kokoro, right? The word kokoro uh, is used to uh, identify mind, okay? As in, like our the three aspects of a ninja, uh, mi wo shinobu, right? The body capable of um, of enduring, right? Mi, it's the same kanji as tai, right? Body. Right? Like ukemi, receiving body, it's the same kanji for body, uh, or same, it's uh, pronounced tai as well. Uh, kokoro shinobu, right? Kokoro, in this case, uh, would mean heart uh, capable of enduring, uh, but it's not, right? We're talking about the mind capable of, capable of enduring, right? And you can double check these things. You can look, uh, reference the book uh, Nijitsu, History and Tradition, uh, the first book that came out in the English language by Hatsumi Sete uh, way, way back in the uh, 80s, I think. Uh, in the back, they, they, you know, he describes uh, these three aspects, Miyo Shinobu, Kokoro Shinobu, and then Shikyo Shinobu uh, is more in line with this uh, enlightened self-nature that we have where uh, we are uh, kind of reconciling what's going on in the inside with what's going on in the outside world, right? So reconciling and, and uh, maintaining correct perspective and uh, awareness on the uh, the macrocosm and the microcosm, right? So it's 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 this idea of transcending uh, the physical realm, but you really don't transcend it completely. What you're doing is is looking at things uh, from what Hatsumi say is called shin shin shingon, right? The mind and eyes of God, right? You just have a broader perspective, a grander perspective uh, to relate the physical nature of things too. Right? I know, really kind of woo woo, right? But either way, we're we're talking about this shin kokoro idea. Uh, being careful that we're not using the heart translation, 
unless it's tied in with mind itself, okay? So often, you know, Sanshin is translated as three hearts. Uh, Shoshin, uh, the, uh, the Kamai that forms the base for uh, the Sanshin models, right, uh, is often translated as uh, beginner's heart, right? Uh, remember that the Sho used to write the word uh, Sho in Shoshin, right? It's the same kanji used to write Sho for Shodan, right? But most people in the West translate as first-degree black belt, okay? uh, which is incorrect, right? Uh, Dan means level, right? Uh, so uh, everything pans out for everything above Shodan. So Nidan is level two or second level. Sandan, level three. Uh, Yondan, level four. Godan, all the way up, right? Uh, and it becomes a whole different conversation if we start talking about what Westerners uh, typically call 11th Don, 12th Don, 13th Don. And I know the master instructors in Japan and Hatsumi Sensei are now using those numbers, okay? Uh, but that's not how it started out, and that's not the rank naming that Hatsumi Sensei had given those things. They're just using them because it's expedient, because that's how most Westerners identify it. So what the hell? Uh, we'll speak to you at your level. Um, so anyway, so Don is that, but Sho in uh, Shodan, Shoshin, uh, means beginner or head of class. And I don't mean head of class like the smartest guy in the room. It's the first-year students that are in in the desk closest to the teacher's desk, as we used to have things laid out uh, a long time ago when I was going to uh, school. So Shoshin, right, the, the new students in class, right? So Shodan is beginner level, right? Uh, so this is where the real learning starts, okay? Uh, anyway, so Shoshin or Sanshin then means beginner mind, or I'm sorry, three minds, three minds. Uh, and uh, we'll break things down from there. But uh, the, the, to answer the question for this idea of uh, three minds, right, the Sanshin, uh, the, the, the three aspects that they were talking about, right, are really three ways to train with this uh, this body, right? Because uh, uh, the second level of not really misunderstanding, but uh, it's a it's a simpler understanding uh, because people will have seen these things, but the models look the same, right? They're the same five kata, so how's it different, right? So what they'll say is, you know, the Shoshin and the Gogyo, I mean, pretty much they're interchangeable because it's just, you know, they're the same thing, right? But if they're not the same thing, they're the same physical models, but what the mind is is focused on something different. It's a different aspect of training. Um, and this can be tied in and and uh, and looked at from the same perspective as the Shuhari uh, method of, of training, right, uh, which we'll, I'll, call, I'll come back to. Uh, if there's time, but I, I want to get through this because I do have another question that I want to handle during this call. So the three minds, right? Uh, it's it, like I said, it's often translated as three hearts, but the kanji, right? We, we need to get to those, okay? So the the, the number three in this case uh, can be seen to to represent uh, or to refer to the different ways to train with the movements, okay? So we're talking about three methods or three. Uh, three training objectives. We might say that in the corporate world or the world of education. Three training objectives would be things. So the three levels or the three areas, right, uh, are the Shoshin Goke, 
right? And you could say shoshin, goke, no kata. No kata, it just means uh, forms or examples, right? And I, I absolutely prefer uh, the, the translation for examples because even the, the kanji that we use for uh, kata, while it can mean uh, uh, it can mean uh, kata, uh, it can mean form, right? Uh, just like uh, the one used in like karate forms, right? Uh, this one is more closely related. Uh, kanji paints a picture of like a scenario or an example, right? That kind of thing. So the shoshin goke, right, which translates to beginner's mind five types, right, or five examples, okay? Then the next level is the gogyo no kata, which means five element examples, and then goshin no kata, uh, actually this is not goshin like in self-defense, so that's a different kanji, right? Um, goshin no kata here means enlightened mind example, okay? Uh, and so if, if we relate this to the shuhari, right, the copy, break, and transcend model, which is what that's about, shuhari, uh, each level, right? Shu uh, is about copying or preserving, right? Uh, uh, ha, that that level of training, uh, it, it's about breaking the models, right? Not to say talks about throwing them away. But you can't throw away something you don't have, right? And the B means to transcend or go beyond uh, the initial lessons, and that really requires uh, a lot of uh, exploration and, and even meditation, right? So uh, so what are we really looking at, right? So what we're looking at is in that when we're training the sanshin from the level of shoshin goke, what we're really looking at doing is, is uh, this is beginner training, right? This is taking those five models and uh, being able to uh, uh, copy your teacher, right? It's, it's about preserving the lineage, but it's about copying them as your teacher does them. So if your teacher's models are flawed, then yours will be flawed, but that's not important at the moment. What's important is that you copy them. Later on, you'll, dis you'll do some discovery and learn where maybe they were flawed or whatever, okay? Uh, so that when you look at certain things, like I just picked up a book on, uh, on Nippon Taijutsu uh, that was written by uh, someone, Digital or Matter, right? But it's loaded with pictures. And while it's a good primer for, for folks, when I, when I look at it, it's almost painful because there's a lot of breaking of the alignment at the hips and, and things like that. There's a lot of leaning back when kicks are done, things like that that are just not great taijutsu. But as a book to introduce more and more people or a new generation to Bujinkan Nijutsu, fantastic. You know, so anyway, um, have your priorities, right? So anyway, the objective, the learning objective uh, at Shushin Goke is to learn the models and be able to perform them correctly. So this would be like, uh, you know, anybody else that was joining any other or got involved in any other martial arts style, and this is where the style debate comes in. Um, and it stays for me when I see people not being able to break away from that or to transcend it, okay? Then I see the opposite thing where there's people that just want to transcend that very, very quickly because to them, uh, you know, there's more uh, modern scientific ways to do things or whatever. They're missing the point, okay? Uh, so there's a lot to learn here. 
right? So part of this is in learning the models and being able to perform them correctly so that you're learning the base elements of at least the Gilco school, but it runs through all of them, right, uh, where you're learning proper body alignment, you're learning proper uh, footwork, you're learning proper striking kind of things, but it really is a, a base level kind of thing. And you practice it again and again and again so that you're training muscle memory. Okay, so we could say that the the, the idea behind training with the, the Sanshin at the Shoshin Goke level is in developing muscle memory so you don't have to think about how to do the techniques, okay, and that you develop a sense of comfortability and flow with them. These are always done solo, right? Okay? The, the five models at the Shoshin Goke level are done by yourself. So anybody that's looking for, uh, you know, more and more training as a solo practitioner, uh, this is perfect, right, because uh, there's a lot to learn and a lot to be done at this level. I don't have a lot of uh, time to go through it here. We have a whole uh, advanced Sanshin and Kiana Bo uh, home study course that uh, folks have gone through, and I'm considering redoing it uh, and kind of as a, I don't know, 2.0 kind of version. But it w if I do it again, it'll be split where we're going to uh, do a Sanshin uh, thing all by itself and the Kiana Bo uh, all by itself. But see, when I look at courses like that, then, uh, you know, how much do you go into it? So I'll probably end up breaking it down where there's a there's an introductory kind of thing and then there's a 10 to 15 week uh, course where we can really dive into the different aspects, right? Because what we're really looking at is the foundation of the art, right? When you're doing any other kata, when you're doing any other training, right, especially when it comes to physical self-defense or personal combat training, uh, I'm always asking students, Okay. What Shoshin is that based on or what Shoshin is in there? Okay. What are your different Shoshin uh, or your Sanshin movements? What are they? Because when we're looking at these things, right, there's, there's Sanshin within the Sanshin. Okay. We have five models, Chinokata, Tsunokata, Tanokata, Funokata, Kunokata. Right? Um, and while I, when I was first introduced to this, I was introduced with this uh, <coughs> excuse me, elemental model where we could classify everything based on this old classification system based on the actual elements, earth, water, fire, wind, and void, each of these things representing something. And I still use it, but I use that at the Gogyo Nokata level as one aspect of training. Uh, when we're looking at these things, uh, it's important to note historically that uh, these five elements were, were uh, used as an old counting system, right? So Shinokata was the first thing, Suinokata the second thing, third, third so one, two, three, four, five, learning them in that order, uh, and that's important as well because the Sanshin, the way they're laid out, each one presupposes that you have learned and mastered the base elements, the three important pieces of the one or ones before it. So Sunokata presupposes that you've gotten a good handle on and you can do Chinokata easily. Be careful how quickly you jump to the conclusion that you can do it easily, okay? Uh, Tanokata presupposes that you've got Sui and uh, Chi down, uh, you get the idea, right? So uh, you're building muscle memory, and again, it's solo, right? So, so it's you, you don't need a training partner, right? Uh, and uh, what you do, you, you first learn it, and then you start to bring visualization in, and you visualize a partner or an opponent in front of you throwing an attack, 
you are shifting back to avoid and then coming back in with whatever counter uh, the kata is teaching. Uh, in Hatsumi Sensei's book, or not book, video on um, uh, the Gyoko school, is it Gyoko? I think he just, yeah, Gyoko school, right? Uh, he sums up the Sanshin, or the Sanshin Kyonapo, and then the later kata training in the scrolls by identifying uh, the, the concepts of penetration, creation, and uh, adaptation, okay? So the Sanshin is about penetration. Kyonapo is about creation. Right, penetration, when we talk about that, what we're talking about is setting things up in a way and doing things in a way that you penetrate your opponent's defenses to go straight to the heart of things and deliver an attack that he cannot stop, evade, or defend against. Okay, so that's a learning objective, right? Uh, we talk about Kihonapo later with creation, but what we're talking about is being able to create the form and create the model and create the results with the least amount of effort, right? So, uh Bo is about the primary principle involved in survival, which is energy conservation. How do I do this thing without fighting myself, without fighting him, right? Uh, least amount of wear and tear. So it's about that relaxed energy. But uh, the, the, one of the key focuses of, of the Sanshin, uh, even at the Shoshin Goke level, is in penetrating defenses and being able to accomplish a strike uh, without him being able to, to beat it, okay? So uh, in this case, at the Shoshin Goke level, what you're doing is you are visualizing an attacker, okay, because it's solo. Everybody should do it. Kazumi Sensei says that everybody should be doing the Sanshin every day, okay? Uh, unfortunately, ego doesn't like that kind of thing because it gets bored very, very easily, okay? You just have to work through it, okay? and this is part of mastering uh, the mind, right? Miwo Shinobu, right? The, the body capable of enduring is not just about enduring hardships out in the world or what an attacker could throw at you, taking a punch, that kind of thing, right? Which, from my uh, from my experience, there's a ton of people who are training that really need the soft training because they don't want to feel discomfort. They don't want to. They don't want to get hit. Nobody wants to get hit. Sociopaths and psychopaths are okay with getting hit, uh, but uh, and what would you call them? Uh, 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 masochists like getting hit, right? Uh, we're not talking about liking it or disliking it. We're talking about something being a necessary process for, uh, you know, mastery, right? But either way, right? Um, so uh, we we have to go through the process, right? So anyway, I'm, I'm going to shorten this because I'll eat up an entire uh, show here if I just keep going. So the gogyo no kata, right? This is five elemental examples. That's the, that's the translation of it. It's still the same five models, but now what we're doing is we are working with a partner, so in a, in a defense kind of thing, right? And so what we're going to learn from this is we're going to learn uh, timing, angling, distancing, uh, how to open up uh, targets and, and how to adapt things, right? Because adaptation has to happen if I'm working with a partner who's taller, shorter, thicker, they've got shorter legs than I do, even if even if they were the same height or they have longer legs or whatever, uh, you know. So you start to learn these different things, right? And you focus on quote unquote the elements within the models or within a, a fight scenario, right? How do how do things have to be maybe adapted? 
they don't have to be adapted a lot, but how might I have to change my footwork uh, slightly here or there uh, to meet this guy's thing, right? How do I adapt this for a hook punch, an uppercut? And I'm not always training against skeet, this classical piercing thrusting uh, attack that's based on uh, sword and spear, right? Uh, how do I deal with, you know, use this against somebody who's going to be attacking me uh, with a back fist or whatever, right, uh, depending on their uh, their martial background, fight background, whatever, okay? So, uh, and then here, this is where I also kind of bring that that elemental training back in that uh, that's really based on emotional response that Stephen Hayes had introduced a long, long time ago. Now, I think most people understand that that was his creation, right? He borrowed this idea um, that he had picked up on while he was learning things. I think he actually picked it up from Tanamura Sensei, who uh, created the uh, Genbukan. Uh, But I I wasn't there, so I don't know for sure. I just have information that has come my way. So anyway, uh, what this is is really doing is looking at uh, bringing the emotional state back in. So... How would I do any of these models if I were um, feeling more what we would call Earth-like, which is confident? I've, I've got this guy, and I can't even believe he's going to want to take a punch at me. I, I've already won, right? All he has to do is punch so I can let reality catch up with him. So that's kind of that's a mindset, right? Um, the uh, Sunokata, water thing, which is, you know, what if I'm defensive, okay? Uh, what if I'm, you know, really trying to cover and I'm feeling overwhelmed? How would this look? Uh, fire more direct, right? What if I have this imperative need to shut this thing down much more quickly? Ultimately, we're going to be operating from the void level of creating things, and it's going to manifest based on all of these things going on. Uh, but if we can isolate them and train with them, then we already have options in there, right? We already have uh, these uh, seeds planted in subconscious that are just waiting to uh, to blossom, as we might say in Nikyo. Uh So anyway, that's in there, right? Uh, we might um, we might uh, bring uh, weapons in, in, right? So uh, how would we do uh, Chinokata, Suinokata, any of them, right? If uh, he had a sword and I was unarmed, how would we do it if he had a sword and I had a sword? How would we do it if uh, he had a knife and uh, I had a, a hanbo? Whatever, right? We can bring these things in. You can also take the weapons back to the Shoshin Goke level and do it solo and get a handle on uh, just doing the striking, pendulum striking, uh, you know, shito, uh, lateral yoko uh, striking and all that uh, with the weapons. And, again, you're solo, right? And then bring that back into uh, into the scenario with a partner, right? So that's the general gist with the Gogyo no Kata idea. And then Goshi no Kata, enlightened mind example, this is almost going into a Zen kind of thing, which is where a lot of karate kata are, right? Uh, in, in karate, uh, when, when they're doing solo kata, uh, by and large, they're not focusing on a potential attacker, right? Uh, I, I had some friends that did this, and I, I did a, a form of karate uh, for a little while, and the focus is actually on the hand that's moving, right, or the blocking arm or whatever. So you can – and so, again, if we, you know, look at the shuhari uh, aspect, right, of copying, right, that's shoshin goke, right? You copy it. You do it exactly as your teacher taught you or you do it as you see it in the book or the video or whatever. 
no deviation, no variation allowed. Okay. So what we're doing is we're causing or we're teaching the body how to move properly, right? Based on cover and movement and things like that, right? Uh, and things that might be overlooked during the shoshin level, when you go to the gogyo level and you're working with a partner, they'll show you if you left yourself open or if your angle's terrible or uh, your your distance is off or whatever, because they'll be able to reach out and tag you, okay? Without having to move. Uh, so. Uh, Anyway, so you can you can move the you know, move those things around, but at the at the Goshin Nokata level, you're you're back at this mindset kind of thing. So what we're really focusing on um, are kind of two basic things, and there can be more, but two primary things from my experience and my um, my understanding of this. One is in just putting your awareness on your body parts as you're moving. Okay, so as we might say in Zen or in, in Mikyo, right, when you're stepping, focus on stepping, okay? And what you'll learn as you do that, if you can just block out everything else and just focus on the stepping or the footwork, right, when you're taking that step, right, um, how how's the leg moving? Do I feel anything out of alignment? Anything like that, right? Now, I may not be talking to myself when I do this because I just want to experience the stepping, right? How could that be done differently, right? So you, you can experiment and play around a little bit with changing. Remember, at the Shoshin level, no adaptation, no changing, no nothing like that. So with the Goshin thing here, we're looking at, uh, at, at the Gogyo level, that's where we're breaking things, right? We might have to, we're, we're learning about how we might have to adapt, we might have to adjust based on his reach or the weapon he has or whatever, right? So uh, how do I deviate the form without losing the essence of it? So I've done that, so we're going even farther in transcending the models themselves, right, and recognizing, and you start to recognize things like every time I move, every time I walk, I'm doing chino kata, right, because there's a natural arm swing, there's a natural stepping, there's a timing and, and coordination with that, okay, and so I could, uh, you know, I, I can see how uh, if I were going to do a surprise attack on somebody, uh, either as a bodyguard or, uh, you know, protecting or I'm going to rescue a friend or whatever, I might just be walking by somebody that's, you know, giving a friend a hard time, and then just a natural part of my walking movement, this thing grows out of it, and it doesn't turn into what the models look like, but everything's there, right? There's a catching of his of his arm, and so I can I can see these things. And once I can transcend that, then when I see kata like ichichigai or seon or whatever, uh, or um, uh, koku, or ichimonji no kata, or whatever, I, I immediately see the sanchin. I either see an entire sanchin model uh, with something added, like uh, hito no kata is ku no kata in the sanchin with a kick added. I mean, I'm sorry, with a, um, with a uh, distraction added. The kick becomes the distraction, and then there's this knife hand thing, right? So there's this there's this thing that where things are modified or moved around a little bit. The pieces are, are shifted. Uh, uh, I'm sorry. Uh, Hicho no kata is kano kata with uh, a kick at it, right? So you, you, can, you can see these things, right? guy is just chino kata, but we're just walking along, and then we snag this guy, and we can follow up from there, right? So it's three pieces, right? There's, there's, uh, there's uh, footwork. There's striking and there's body movement, 
there's a piece, right, that we're learning in each of these uh, Shoshin models. So if we look at that, we've got five models times three, three things, right? Each model has uh, a different footwork, even if it turns into a kick, right, like in Kunokata. Each model has a type of uh, footwork or body movement, and each one has a different striking method. So there's 15 elements, okay? Uh, so, again, we're looking at those things we, so we can keep transcending. But, uh, again, back at the Goshin level, we're, we're, we can do it solo. We're being very mindful of the way we're moving uh, kind of thing, right? And uh, then what we can also do with Goshin is, uh, again, it, it looks like we're drifting back and forth between these things, but Goshin, again, is about transcending. So we can do the models by just moving around. We can we can go from Chinokata to, to Sunokata to Kunokata to back to Kanokata. And we're just moving around the room, right, just from one model to another, left side, right side, that kind of thing. And maybe we, you know, start to, to replace a, a, a palm-up knife hand from uh, – from, um, uh, uh, Sunokata, right? Palm up knife hand with the palm down knife hand that would have been from Kanokata. We, you know, that that came out of Go, uh, Gogyo level training, right? But we're moving around, so everything becomes free freedom of movement, and we can just do these things. We can move from one to the next to the next. I apologize for the phone ringing in the background. I'm in my office doing this. So anyway, uh, so again, it's a transcending. So again, overlaying the Shuhari model to it. Right, shu to copy to preserve in the Shoshin Goke. You know, we, we learn these five models, and so no deviation. Right, learn it, learn them for uh, uh, body alignment, correct form, uh, train muscle memory, you know, that kind of thing. Right, in the Gogyo no Kata. Now we're working with a partner, so we are breaking things. Right, so we might change uh, a, a palm up knife hand to a palm down knife hand. We might replace the uh, or we might switch, right, the distraction then kick in kunokata to a kick distraction, palm strike to the face, right? So we can we can break these things up a little bit, but we're doing the same thing. It's all ultimately about penetrating his defenses so that we can get in. We're, we're learning to take center, get inside, and force him to fight from the outside so that it's very, very difficult, if not impossible, for him to evade, avoid, counter or escape okay that countering also includes blocking all right so hopefully mr eric who couldn't make it for today's show he's listening to the replay so uh <laughs> get a little chuckle out of this hopefully this was more clear and um uh you know more helpful for folks okay so let me do this let me get back over here to my control screen and uh i'm gonna take it out of uh lecture mode and put it in their interactive mode. So if there's anybody live on the call or on the show that um, uh, you might have a question or a comment about it, uh, now would be the time to ask. And uh, while I'm waiting for anybody to speak up, I don't see anybody live, so maybe everybody's over on the webcast side. If you're not driving, if you're not, I don't know, working with heavy machinery or whatever at work and just listening to the show, uh, if uh, if you have a question or a comment, now would be the time to ask. And uh, uh We'll go from there. Okay, so let me see what I have here. Uh, yeah, definitely have some folks over on the webcast. So uh, anybody that wants to ask a question, and again, we, we have to. I'm filling time here because there's a 17 to 18 second delay between when I say something and when it comes out of your device. Uh, 
just because of the way the technology works. So I kind of have to fill in things a little bit, uh, eat up that 17 to 18 seconds, and give somebody time to type something in and whatever. So we'll, I'll wait a couple of seconds here, uh, half a minute, to see if uh, any questions or comments come through. And if not, then I'll move on. Uh, and while we're doing that, I'll get back over here on QDEN page because uh, Tony had sent in a question, and we'll see if anybody else dropped anything uh, in the process. Let's see. So, Sorry, I'm talking to myself. <laughs> I have to I have to refresh things to see uh, if anybody submitted anything. All right, I don't see anything, so I'm going to put it back into uh, what we call lecture mode or one-way mode here on this end with the technology, and uh, just keep going. Okay, be really really helpful if Eric were here. So we ought to just you know write a, a strongly worded email that uh, uh, he can no longer put uh, things that put money in his pocket uh, in. In the way of uh, the, the weekly shows. Just kidding, Eric. I understand. Anyway, anyway so uh, we'll switch that back over. Got to get back over to my uh, to the end page. So, uh, Tony, thanks for uh, for the question. Uh, Tony has a common uh, this is a, this is a common problem that that folks have, and it's why folks like me have online training programs uh, that uh, you know help help folks with this, right? But uh, Tony's question is, uh, learning by myself with no training partner, what are some key points that I can do by myself, which is a great topic. Uh, and again, this is, you're in great company because um, not only do I have a lot of people in uh, the online training program that go through this that see the benefit, uh, and, you know, we have weekly weekly coaching calls. Uh, so there's regular contact. There's unlimited email contact and these coaching calls and all that uh, that students can use to get questions answered. We have video feedback, uh, video reviews and feedback and things like that. So while a lot of people steer away from online training uh, because, you know, they think that dojo training is best and they're only going to do training if they can be with a teacher, uh, that's fine. It's It's commendable. But, again, Tony's on his own, right? He doesn't have a teacher nearby. Uh, he's not close to one. So great. So here's the here's the irony, right? Somebody wants to do the the training. They want to do the art. They want to learn. They don't have a teacher nearby. They don't have access to somebody. But they will only train if they have access. So either they're very sneaky about not saying that. What I really want from you, uh, Shiroshi, is for you to move to my town and set up a dojo and hope that I'll actually come to class with a bunch of other people too um, because I'm not, just not going to go anywhere to get anything and I'm not going to do anything even if it, it's a, it's less than ideal, right? Because ideally, not ideally, realistically, doing something is better than doing nothing at all. So we have to make a choice, right? But anyway, back to Tony's thing here, uh, you know, what are some things that he can do for himself? So uh, coincidentally, I covered Eric's thing there. So the whole Shoshin Goke uh, no Kata uh, level, uh, and often, uh, like I said, when I first started in the training, right, um, I saw Sanchin as being marginally valuable, got through that because I needed to get to how to not die on the street as a police officer, bodyguard, that kind of thing. 
and uh, it was only later when I, when I saw more value. Uh, but even today, I, in, in my classes, I don't – when I say Sanshin to people, they wait for me to explain what what level we're going to do. I don't use the terms typically Shoshin Goke, Gogyo no Kata, and Doshin. I, I don't use those, okay? Uh, I, was, I use terminology like Ichizuka Sensei uses in Japan where uh, he calls something first-level transmission, second-level transmission, third-level transmission. It doesn't matter what it's called. You do this first, learn this, get to a level of proficiency with this, then we'll look at second-level transmission, and we're going to do it this way, and then we'll look at third-level transmission, which tends to be real-world application um, using the model. Okay, So that's how I describe it. So when I say Sanshin, and I say, okay, we're going to do second-level transmission, so uh, I need a partner, right? We're, we're going to demonstrate this against somebody uh, with a knife, and you have a Hanzo, or you have a knife or whatever, okay, so just, just so you know, so if you ever go through any of my programs or you hear me in any of the other Kuden shows or whatever, uh, I, I don't make the differentiation, so I, I forgot about that in the last part, so coming back to Tony's question, do the Shoshin Gokei level, you can do that, you can visualize uh, that kind of thing, right, uh, you know, there's things that you can do to get training partners as well, right, there's Craigslist, there's uh, putting the feelers out on Facebook page, or on, you know, uh, on a page in Facebook, say, hey, you know, I'm from so-and-so area, anybody fairly local, are there any seminars going on in my area, right? Um, and remember what I said that, you know, I have lots of students that do this. Everybody that got started when I did, unless you lived in the town, were one of the three people that started everything in the West, right? Stephen Hayes in Dayton, Ohio, um, uh, Jack Hoban, who started out in California, and then moved to New Jersey, and then Bud Malmstrom in Georgia. Unless you were in one of these three places, really, really, really close, everybody was a long-distance student. Everybody was a solo student. Hatsumi-sensei was a solo student. Takamatsu-sensei, right, traveled for training, right? He tempered all of his stuff by going to China, right? So the Mushashugyo concept of travel and traveling for training and, uh, you know, only spending so much time with your teacher, the on concept, the retreat or refuge concept where you, you know, you got away from the world and you trained with somebody for two days, three days, a day, a week, whatever, right? And then you went back out in the world. That's the tradition that, that this is all based on. The dojo idea that was developed, you know, what, 17th, 18th, 19th century, you know, the thing that we were born into and, and think that was the common place and that's the way it was always done. Uh, no. Okay. So, uh, traditional training. Anybody that tells me they they only want to do traditional training better be talking about a lot of these other things that were a part of the tradition as well. Um, otherwise, all they're talking about is the stuff that they were introduced to and told was traditional training, but may have been invented by Takamatsu as an expedient or one of his teachers as an expedient and only goes back a generation or two. That doesn't, to me, that's not traditional or classical or histori historical or whatever. Okay, and do we want to keep doing it the same way, right? One year I was in Japan for training, and we that whole theme that year was training uh, based on the uh, the um, Kamakura era, right? So we were exploring the armor of the Kamakura era, the weaponry of the Kamakura era, which means that the swords we used dachi instead of tachi instead of uh, katana, which means we had a sword, but it wasn't that sharp. Right? So the sword work looked more like staff work 
right? The armor, very, very, very different. Very different, right? So whatever your perception is is going to guide your training, but remember that it's also going to limit your training, okay? And Hatsumi said they've always talked about being unlimited, being limitless, returning to zero. And zero here doesn't mean empty. It means potential, right? Like unmolded clay, okay? Only until that's, like, formed, put into a, into a kiln and fired and solidified does it become crystallized into a, a particular shape. Until then, clay is zero state, okay? It can become anything you want it to be, okay? And then the techniques you apply to it, the shapes that you start to create with it and how you mold it and all that, right, that, that determines its end shape. But up to a certain point, you can always just ball it back up and go again. It's not until you fix it into a specific thing. And that's one of the problems with need to today, that people are, are trying to fix it into a set thing. So anyway, all right, so, so here's going to be this caveat there, Tony, uh, and for everybody else, right? If you are only talking about Ninpo Taijutsu or Budo Taijutsu, the self-defense stuff, you know, you can practice solo, you can practice striking, kicking, you can set up a makiwara or some kind of other target, right? And you can create, uh, you know, targets for yourself so you can, you can kick things. Uh, we used to put hay and stuff like that around a tree or straw or whatever. This was in Japan, too, with a big old sheet around it tying it in place so the whole tree was a striking surface, right? You can create whatever. You can buy wave masters or whatever from different places and affix these things or have it standing there and practice striking, uh, that kind of thing. You can go out into nature, right? The whole first part of the Shinden Fudoryu, uh video that Hatsumi Sensei had put out has all the master instructors with him out in the woods, and they're all demonstrating striking methods, ways to strengthen yourself for throws, and all kinds of things using saplings, bamboo, uh, roots in the ground, things like that, right? Um, never, ever, ever not be practicing rolling, leaping, breakfalls all that kind of stuff, right, um, all the time, right? Uh, what I used to do is, is sit on the floor to watch television or to play with my kids, and then when I would get up to go to the bathroom or to go get a drink or something like that, I would roll to get up, okay? I would lower myself uh, like I was dropping into a kneeling bow or something like that uh, or corkscrew myself down into position into a fudo's up to sit back down with them, okay, because I was always practicing. Right? I would roll into bed, roll out of bed. Not figuratively like people say, you know, I rolled out of bed this morning at 5 a.m. No, I mean I rolled out of bed so that I could roll from a, a elevated uh, uh, object, hood of a car, what, tabletop, whatever, and have my feet land on the ground so I could be like a cat, where as I was falling, I could get things into a position that if I couldn't land on my feet, I could at least break fall onto muscular areas and not hit my head all that stuff, right? Um, so family members and friends think it was weird? Yeah, of course. But you know what? What's more important? They're, uh, they're thinking that I'm weird or me mastering something. I keep telling everybody I want to master, but I can't seem to get to practice, right? <laughs> so anyway, um, what else? Uh, so again, if, you know, if you're, if you're looking at Tajitsu, you know, you could be, uh, you could do sword, you could do staff. There's plenty of stuff, right? You could learn the kamai, practice those. You could learn striking. You could learn bofuti, which is a stick turning, and do shihobofuti. Uh, you could do rolling with the weapons. 
uh, sword drawing, uh, cutting practice, sword resheathing, uh, that kind of thing. Different ninja methods for that with the different walking. Yokoruki, uh, drawing, you know, while you're moving sideways, uh, learning to roll, roll with the sword in your belt, uh, all kinds of things, right? Learning to roll to pick things up. Uh, like I said, shuriken throwing, uh, whatever. But if you extend beyond that and really move out into the full realm of Nijutsu, now we've got meditation training. We've got stealth training. We have uh, wilderness survival skills. Uh, we have, oh, my God, breathing, all kinds of things, right? Uh, learning to communicate, working with the kiai, right, and, and learning how the, uh, the voice uh, affects, and not just for, like, martial arts kiai, but how does your vocal intonation affect how people respond to you. To, so that you can produce better results. Because remember, that's what needed to is ultimately about, okay? Producing greater results with less effort and surviving hardship, okay? So anything that falls within that realm that can allow you to produce better results with less effort and to survive challenges, emotional, psychological, and physical challenges um, more easily, all that can be done. Okay, uh, I used to have a long list. I, I used to uh, actually do a a paper uh, uh, newsletter, right? It was called uh, what was it called? Uh, not Ninja Realm. What was it called? Uh, I don't remember. <laughs> I had this thing. Um, uh, anyway, uh, but I, I remember doing an article that listed oh my god, thirty, forty things uh, that solo students could practice. So I never wanted to hear anybody who was on their own. How do I know that there was that many? I was a solo student. Okay? So if, uh, if you want to take this farther or if you want some other ideas or uh, anything like that, you, know, you can always shoot me an email, right? Uh, WarriorC at warrior-concepts-online.com or just you know, uh, PM me through Facebook. Uh, just do it through the Kuden page or through the online Nichitsu training uh, Facebook page anything like that, and we can go on from there. Or contact anybody else that's that's literally doing more than just, uh, you know, Henka-based Taijutsu where, uh, you know, they can, they can break things down for you and give you specific skills. Because, remember, mastery is not something that you work on. Mastery is something that occurs because you work to become a master of rolling. You become a master of leaping. You become a master of break falls. You become a master of striking and making fists. You become a master of kamai. You become a master of uh, surviving in cold weather. So you become a master of shelter building, a master of fire building, a master of water collection, that kind of thing, right? Uh, mastery is the end result, not um, not the the thing that you're working on because nobody can work on everything at the same time. So you pick one to three things at any given time, work to develop skill proficiency, then you can move on to something else, but you're always going to come back to these other things to take them to the next level because eventually they're going to cross over, like learning to throw shuriken as you enter in the middle of and as you come out of a roll, learning to punch or kick as you enter in the middle and coming out of a roll, okay? uh, how, to, how to draw a sword coming out of one or how to draw deliver a cut and roll and then come out in Kamai. Uh, you know, uh, all these things, right? They all will be eventually start to bleed over to where intermediate and advanced levels of training are
are actually combinations of base level skills. So there's there's tons, okay? So, uh, but my, my suggestion is, you know, if you haven't already, uh, don't do what most people do and just jump around with videos on YouTube or uh, jump around to this or that or whatever, right? Um, as my Miko teacher said, at a certain point, you're going to have to decide that, or, and you're going to have to align yourself with a given teacher. Not that you can't look at everybody else's stuff and go to other people's seminars or whatever, but you, you get into a given program so that you have structured your training, right? That way, when you go out and you get somebody else's perspective or whatever, what you're doing is adding to that. But what people tend to do is jump around so much that what they actually do, they think they're loading up with tons and tons of information, but what they're actually doing is remaining perpetually a white belt because there's no building of anything, okay? They, they end up being collectors or dabblers, okay? And this isn't always the case, right? There are rare exceptions, but by and large, that's what people are doing. They're just running around from this to this to this in an attempt to do it, you know, with little to no energy, little to no effort, little to no structure, little to no money expenditure, right? Hatsumi Sensei will be the first one to tell you, and he's, he said this again and again uh, during my different trips to Japan. Training is, is expensive, right? It's, you know, and, and, any, and he's, you can find this in books, too, that he's written, right? Um, any successful person has spent at least three times in the way of time, effort, and resources, including money, three times more than everyone else, and that is why he or she is, is successful. Okay? Even if you don't have it, because I certainly didn't have it when I first started, you can figure out how to get it. Do you know how I got training with, with teachers early on in my training? I hosted seminars. I put in the time and effort to figure out how to coordinate a training area and uh, how to get the word out about the, the thing. And it's even easier now with the Internet, God's sake, because back in my days in the 80s, we didn't have – anyway, so – um, what I did was I basically got a bunch of other people to pay to come to a seminar that paid for the instructor's fee and all the expenses, and I paid little to nothing. And on top of that, I got two or three times the amount of training as all seminar participants because I hung out with the instructor, my teacher, before and after the training. I picked him up from the airport, took him back to the airport or bus station or whatever, and that means I got all this extra time to talk about topics and to talk about the things that I wanted to learn. And we did one-on-one -on -one training and all that. Because he was getting paid for the weekend. He was, it, it was, so it was extra, right? It was awesome, right? Um, greedy? Yeah, absolutely. But I figured out a way. In Nijitsu and in Nikyo, we call this uh, uh, skillful means, right? Use what you know to figure out how to solve a problem that seems insurmountable. I don't have the money to train. So well, how, do you, how do you make more money, right? Um, if you don't know, ask somebody who's done it, okay? Um, I don't have the time. I can't get away from work or my wife won't let me. Well, first of all, if your wife can do things without your permission but you can't, then you're not in a mutually beneficial relationship. And I know how that sounds cold, but it took me a while to find a mutually beneficial relationship where there's trust, there's love, and there's the ability to express your uniqueness without somebody else 
stepping in as a parent or a slave driver or whatever. Oh, she, you know, and this works on both sides. It's not just a wife, it could be a husband or whatever. But if, you, if you're more afraid of your significant other shrieking and yelling and screaming because you're working on yourself to make you not only better for you, but also simultaneously a better husband, father, and all those things, then there's already a problem. Okay? You can't be an invincible warrior when you cower in a corner because somebody's going to shriek or be upset because you made a decision for self-growth. There, there's already a problem. Anyway, I'll get off my pulpit again. Okay, so anyway, um, so you, you get get on a path, right, and figure it out, right? If it's timing and you can't get away from work or whatever, then figure out how you're going to make that happen, right? For me, I was on shift work and all that, so I took the notes and everything that I picked up when I went to seminars, two, three seminars a year, dropped some money on it, spent a couple of days, right, came home, and then, uh, you know, family goes to bed. I stay up an extra hour, work on my sunshine. I get up an hour early, whatever it is, right? If that all sounds uncomfortable, then, okay, great, work through it. Miwo Shinobu, right, the body capable of enduring, or Shikuo Shinobu, right, the, the the core, the essential me, capable capable of enduring, right? It's not just about enduring the, the, the hardships of being attacked, right? The training should be more hard on you than anybody could throw at you in the world because when you can endure the training, everything else is a cakewalk. And if your training does not cause a need for endurance, it's just a fun pastime, then you're not learning to endure. I said that over and over again, so I'll not bash it. So anyway, I don't know if Tony's on. Uh, let me just get back over to the, the thing. Uh, if, if anybody's on, if you have anything to throw on that, question, comment, even if you think I'm full of, you know, doo-doo, whatever, that, you can tell me that too because I have broad shoulders, okay? Um, it's okay. Um, let's see. Do I have anybody else? So folks on, uh, I'm assuming that whoever's on is uh, is listening uh, through work. I'll, I'll let that uh, run for just a few extra minutes, seconds, whatever. Uh, but at the moment, let me just switch it back over in interactive mode. So if you are live on, if there's anybody that has any other questions or comments before I wrap up this episode, uh, now would be the time to ask. And uh, if you have any for the next one or, I don't know, this maybe gave rise to questions uh, for the next one, uh, you know, uh, just ask, right? Uh, you may not like what I have to say, but you'll never forget that I said it, and I'm always going to say what I'm saying, not to appease my ego, but it's to help in the way that you most need the help. Some people need a tip of the boot uh, in certain places to, to motivate them. Other ones need a kind word. I'll try all those methods on any given student, but at the moment they walk away, then what they're saying is, I, you know, rather do it a different way or uh, my own way or I really don't want to do this. And we're, if we're talking about need to, it, it takes a strong heart. Okay? It takes a strong heart. Okay, I think I've chatted enough to see if anything came through on the webcast. I don't see anything and I don't hear anyone, so I'm going to go ahead and wrap this up. Uh, I will get the uh, recording out to everyone as quickly as possible. Hopefully next week, uh, Shoshi White will be back on with us. And uh, I'll talk to everybody again then. Until then, thanks for joining us, and uh, thanks for being a part of this episode of Kudan.
Thank you for listening to Kudet, the podcast for self-defense and martial arts news, interviews, techniques, and history. For more information on upcoming martial arts seminars, camps, and classes with Sheehan Miller, or to submit a question or discussion topic to the show, call 570-884-1118 or visit warrior-concepts-online.com.